0: the technology This is radio Frido, This is radio Frido. So two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we had our, our vision night. And it's a night when we open up old vision and when we cast new vision. Oh, it was good. It was good. It was very good, actually. Are you excited about 2009? Oh, God, oh God. I am <laughs> out! About 2009, I am amped up, I am jacked up, I am pumped up. I am ready for 2009 in more than I ever thought I would be. I am so excited. (sighs) Man, I am amped for 2009. I am so ridiculously excited. I cannot believe the fact that God is amazing enough to bless us with another year. I figured he'd come back and kill us all by now. We still get another year, apparently, to try at it, so man, we better get going, and I am so amped. And he's going to come back, and man, these earthly bodies, you know, they're going to get left behind, man. It's coming up. Hey, it's coming up. I revealed to you last week the word in which we would be focusing on for this next year. Our Man, our core of what we are going to do ministry, the core of how we're going to function, and it was a... Very small yet impressive word, maturity. Ah, maturity. Maturity, like I said, is becoming all of what God has for you to be. Man, every bit of what God has laid out for you. Man, becoming every bit the measure of what God wants for you. Man, that excites me. But here's what I think. I think that some of you, when you heard it, and I think some of you, even when you hear it tonight, you're a little intimidated or apprehensive. You're maybe a little intimidated or maybe even yeah a little bit apprehensive in your spirit. <clears throat> maturity. I don't know. But I think the reason is it's because your definition's wrong. Because what you're thinking when you hear the word maturity is that it means being old and unable to have fun. It means being serious all the time and forgetting the very things that you love, but that's not the case at all. That's not maturity. That's just being old. That's not what maturity is, because what maturity is is exciting. And a cornerstone of our life. A cornerstone of what our life is supposed to be. Is maturity. Christ said in Matthew 18 that we must become like little children in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. So I'm not saying that we have to lose some of our, our childishness in that. Man, He says, in order to enter, enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like a child. You have to become that trusting and teachable teachable heart just like a child in order to understand it which we're not taking away but you know what god didn't mean for that to stick around forever that's how we in, that's how we encounter who jesus christ is and how we come to a relationship with him but that's not how we're supposed to stay for the rest of our christian walk we're not supposed to stay like little kids we're supposed to mature it says this uh i want you to i want you to go here with me actually everyone have their Bibles. Get out your Bibles. Get out your Bibles if you have them. If you don't, sit next to somebody who does. And I want you guys to go to 1 Corinthians. Yes, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Who is Corinthians written by? Paul. Paul wrote Corinthians. Very good. Who did he write it to? The Church of Corinth. Very good. Very good. Not too bad. Why did he write it? He wrote it for spiritual correction, and he wrote it to solve a couple of problems in the church as well. And also, he wrote it to us, because it says in the very beginning that it continues past to all believers. So Corinthians is wrote to us as well. Although it was written to the church of Corinth, Paul says that it also is written to us, all Christians. It says in 1 Corinthians 11, I mean, excuse me, I'm dyslexic. First Corinthians thirteen eleven. Go ahead, get there. No, thirteen eleven. It says this, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Paul's words. Paul's stating that there was a time when childish things were okay, and they had their place. But now has come a time of maturity, and that's very, very important. You can't stick with what you had. Let me tell you this. There is nothing cute about a hairy 40-year-old man wearing a diaper riding a bicycle with training wheels, is there? Huh? Exactly. Is there anything cool about a 40-year-old hairy old man wearing diapers riding a bicycle with training wheels? No. You'd be like, what the heck is going on? That isn't right. That isn't right, is it? Yet I think that very often when God looks down from heaven on his church, that's exactly what he sees. He sees hairy old men still wearing diapers, and they haven't even taken their training wheels off their bike yet. They're still babies. I think very often that's what God sees. And it's not supposed to be. It is not supposed to be. Keep your Bible. Go ahead and turn to Hebrews. Very good book. Hebrews was written by... Ah, very good. Who does know? What's the best assumption of who wrote Hebrews? Has anyone ever heard? Apollos. Most scholars believe that if anyone was the man who wrote Hebrews, it was Apollos, not Paul, because the writing style is different. Who was it written to? Anybody? Wrong, wrong. It It was written to Romans. It was written to Romans. Different Roman citizens, see, it's hard, isn't it, right? It was written to Romans, Jewish Christians, who basically were being persecuted, and he was making them grasp, re-tighten their grip on who Jesus Christ was, okay? I want to read this for you, and I want you to read along with me. And it's Hebrews 5, go ahead there, and we're going to read 11 through 14. Here's what it says. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. This is a really, really awesome verse. and This is what we're going to talk about for really what the focus of, as I talk about maturity tonight, is, is this section that possibly Apollos wrote to the Romans uh, there, the Jewish people that were getting persecuted. When you read through this, you can notice some really, really awesome stuff talking about maturity. The word maturity is in there, right? Mature, that's... Oh, it's awesome, right? It says stuff like slow to learn. He's saying is, man, these people are hard-headed and they're dumb. They won't accept anything that they're ready to teach them. Man, these people are dumb. They won't take it in. That's the immature. But as it goes through, you find these points of maturity that are laid out in this, for, in this verse. You find these, these things that he's saying, man, what does maturity look like? Because that's our, that's our whole focus, Right? Now, what does maturity look like? And we see it in this. Here's what it starts with. You guys hopefully saw all these. First and foremost, he says this. You should be teachers. You should be teachers, is what he says. There comes a time in our Christian faith where it's no longer all about us. Where it's no longer all about feeding ourselves until we're fat and happy. But it becomes about others, Man, there's a time that you're supposed to go through of learning. And there's, there's a time when you're supposed to continually download things from God into your brain. And really, that doesn't end. But the focus of that has to shift after a while into now your focus being the fact that others have no clue. Man, I don't know it all yet, but there are other people around me who don't even know the basics. I know enough right now that if I died, I'd go to heaven. I want to know more, but there are people sitting next to me who don't even know enough to get to heaven. Man, we're supposed to be teachers, a teacher's heart. We have churches all around the world, all around the world, where there are no spiritual fathers or mothers. There are no teachers in the entire church. Or if there is one, maybe it's one or two. There's generations of infants, just like it talks about here, You know, hear what it says? It says talking about people who live on milk still being infants. What it's saying is that the majority of the church is still trying to nurse off their mom's breast. Okay? Still trying to be that little baby who needs comfort and who has, you know, no no ability to take care of itself. Man, instead of growing up and grabbing a big old piece of meat and starting some steak... He says, man, this should not be. We don't, we're not supposed to have, like I said, you know, 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old kids. They're supposed to become teachers, even more than that age. How about the fact of how long you've been a Christian? You're not supposed to be a you know, 3-year-old, 5-year-old, 10-year-old, 20-year-old Christian, as in your relationship with Jesus Christ, and still be just a baby. Man, cooing for milk, it's not right. It's not Right? No one's feeding, no one's eating anything but milk, and the steak is going to waste. That amazing meat of what God's, what God's teaching is isn't being taken. Everyone still wants to hear about, huh, how do I get saved again? How was it I gave my life to Christ? I'm still struggling with this, never really dealt with this, over and over and over again. From verse 14, we see kind of a little bit of a shift. And... Um, it says this uh, solid food, though, is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I want you to take an underline, circle, highlight, double underline, triple underline, box in, whatever you have to do. The term in equivalence, if you have a different translation, constant use constant use man that is powerful constant use do you understand what that means when you hear the words constant use we can see that a mature person should be steadfast in their faith that it's unshakable you know two kids okay they're sitting in a sandbox They're playing with Tonka toys. Do you remember having a Tonka truck? Did anybody? Oh my gosh. The yellow truck. Big metal thing. I had one. <clears throat> my friend took it, left it out in the rain, and destroyed it. It almost ruined us, our whole entire friendship. Almost broke my heart, and it was, it was horrible. But these two kids are playing with their Tonka trucks, and what happens, of course, is partway through it, the, one kid decides that instead of playing with one Tonka truck, he wants to play with both trucks. So he pushes the kid out of the way, and he takes both trucks. And what happens? The kid starts bawling and throwing a hissy fit, going crazy, crying, bawling, "Oh,, running to Mom," tell him that your friend just stole your Tonka truck, right? See, a mature person in this situation, instead of two kids, when this happened, you wouldn't have to go off the deep end cry and run to Mom, would you?" No. Say, "Dude, if you want to use it, just ask to borrow it for a few minutes. It's cool. Yeah, it's just a toy. It's all good. You know what? It's cool, and then you take it back, and you get over it. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. But you see, this is what we're talking about with maturity. A mature person wouldn't have this reactions. Obviously, it's just a toy. It's just a toy. And the same exact type of principle applies to us in our relationship with God as we become mature. Our relationship and our belief runs far deeper than our emotions far deeper than how we feel, than what our week was like, than what happened last, you know, last week, what your friend said to you today. Your relationship with God is far deeper than how you feel, but it's something solid. It's something solid. Our relationship with God, and being a maturity, it doesn't matter if our friends are believers or not. Our relationship with God doesn't depend on someone else. It doesn't depend on someone else leading us to God because we have a real relationship with Him one on one. Everyone else could walk away. It doesn't matter because I know that my relationship with God is real. That's what maturity is. Maturity is an assurance. And get this constant use, constant use. That means that it doesn't get left behind any time. There isn't situations in which the faith can get pushed behind and, and not used. There isn't situations in which you forget, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I forgot that I had a relationship with Jesus Christ and I shouldn't be doing this. I forgot that that's how I'm supposed to react. I forgot that I shouldn't be that ignorant person anymore. No constant use. It walks with you every single step of your day. That's what constant use means. That's what maturity is. Mature faith no longer plays games. The time of acting like a churchgoer, coming and playing church and smiling and giving your little church advice and hanging out with your Christian friends and spending that time and then going off and living like hell the rest of the week, that's done. That's not maturity. Coming here and acting like everything's cool and then going home and, you know, cursing out your mom, having sex with your girlfriend, and, you know, watching horribly disgusting things on TV. That's not maturity. That's hypocrisy. That's not constant use of your faith. All that crap, can I just be completely honest with you? That's youth group crap. That's the stuff my mom has to deal with. Okay? She's a youth pastor. This isn't a youth ministry. We're adults. Okay? That's the crap that little teenagers, okay, who are going through horrible, horrible times in their bodies in which emotions are all over the place and they can't get anything under control. That's the stuff they should be going through. Man, it's time for maturity. It's time for maturity to realize the fact that it's about constant use. It's about making it more than just a game. If I could get something across tonight, it would be that games need to end. That's no longer about playing church. It's no longer about acting. But it is about constant use. That's maturity. And a real understanding of God also takes place with this constant use as well. Um, Knowing more than just a few points you remember from a couple of pastors you listened to. Man, knowing more than just a few of the verses you've heard, because you've heard a pastor use John 3, 16, um, you know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Uh, you've heard all these different, these different verses that are on. Those are the only things that you can remember. That You only remember a few points that someone ought to you know, teach you, uh, a certain uh, rhyme that someone made up, something the pastor said once. That's all that you can remember about your faith? Yeah, that's not maturity. That's not maturity at all. More than just a few points to remember, but it's going past that and developing a real knowledge of who God is. That's maturity. It says this, and this is like, this is why we long for maturity. Because, I don't know if, when you you guys are hearing this, I don't know if you think it's just because like, hey, it's a cool idea. Um, It's good for you. It's good for me. uh, It's good for our community. That's not what it's about. That's not what the goal of maturity is this whole entire time. And I hope that's not what you guys are thinking. The reason why we're, we're grasping for maturity isn't because of anything with you or me, who cares? But the point is this, and it's Proverbs 27:11. I want you to write it down, go to it if you get a chance, but I'm going to read it for you. And it literally says this, "Be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart. Then I can answer anyone who treats me with contempt." This is God speaking. God's speaking to us. And what he's saying is, man, spend the time to gain wisdom of who I am and become mature in your faith and know what you believe. Know who I am rock solid. And he says, that's going to bring joy to my heart because then when someone stands up and starts bashing me and tearing me down, I'm going to have you there stand up and say, that's not true. And be able to stand up and be solid and say, that's not God. This is who God is. You understand the fact that we are striving for maturity this year? Our focus is maturity, not because of you or me, but our focus is to bring joy to God's heart. Our focus is to bring joy to our Lord and Savior's heart. Man, that when someone starts tearing him down, we're ready. We're ready to say, that's not God. I can tell you who God really is. I don't know about you, but does that, does that mean anything to you, bringing joy to God's heart? I mean, God saved me from my sin. I deserve to go to hell. I deserved eternal damnation. But he died for me to pay for my sin. And I want to bring him joy. And I want to pay him back for what he's done for me. I want him to be happy with me that someday when I meet him, he's proud of me and says, man, you brought joy to my heart because you really... Man, you really went for it. You really tried to grasp it so you could defend me. Man, that's what it means. This means stuff like hitting the Bible hard. Not just messing around, but, man, taking time and saying, you know, I understand TV's cool, and I understand that it's fun to hang out with friends, and I understand that, you know, this and this are my passions in my life, but that sitting down and reading God's Word is more important than watching The Office or 24, or whatever show you might like that's really cool and might be exciting, but man, it's more important to get to know the heart of my God. It's taking time to pray. Just like we said tonight, there's pre-service prayer every Thursday night in which you can come meet with the Lord God and ask him that I need you to change me tonight. Because I want to be more like you. And I need you to reform my heart. Because I'm not satisfied with who I am. That you take time to be at something like this. When we open this up, we'll start at six o'clock and we'll wrap around. Man, taking half an hour, sometimes it can seem so scary. Man, what am I going to pray for for half an hour? Man, just show up and just start thanking God for what he's done in your life. And before you know it, man, half an hour just slips by. Just start going through your, through your mind of all the people that you know. Man, they don't have it. And if the world was to end today, man, they wouldn't make it. God, please, please do something. Do something to change their hearts. And living it, living it, that constant use. Letting your faith actually form your life. I was just talking to uh, to a girl last night on our youth ministry, and she was talking about all the hard times she's facing. She's talking about how all the people keep on referring back to who she was, who she was, and she's really stuck in this, but I said, you know, I don't think you understand, though. I said, you gave your life to Christ, and that's not who you are anymore. That's not who you are anymore. They might talk about, oh, you used to do this, you this. Yeah, you're right, I used to do that. But that's not me anymore. All of us have the right to be able to change and be something new. Be something completely different. That's what it is, taking and applying it to your life and saying, that might have been who I used to be, but tomorrow that's not who I'm going to be. I'm going to be something better. I'm going to be something different. You know, it says also in this this verse when we start going through this, it alludes to the fact that when you get mature, you're going to stop failing so darn much. You're going to stop falling at every opportunity that Satan has to knock you down. You're going to stop falling through the cracks and, and losing every bit of ground that you gain with God. It talks about this in Hebrews, that it says, being able through constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Maturity brings you to a place of understanding where you're no longer blown in the wind and you don't understand. Man, is this okay? Is this not good for me? Is, you know, should I do this? Should I do it? No, when you come to a place of maturity, the lines are going to be a lot more black and white. And you're going to say, you know what, that's not for me. This is, this is good. This is cool. This is what I should pursue. You know, that's not for me. Those aren't for me. That person's not for me. That relationship's not for me. It won't be so confusing, because when you gain that maturity, it's not going to be so back and forth. Your convictions are going to turn rock solid. They're going to turn to steel. And they're not going to bend and break so easily. There's a story told in Luke, and you can go there or you can listen to it, but I'm going to read it for you guys. And um, it's Jesus Christ, and he's, man, Jesus is the coolest teacher in the world. But he's, he wants to teach these people a lesson, and he starts telling this awesome parable in, in Luke 8. And it's of a farmer, and a lot of you guys maybe have heard this before, but he says this A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path and it was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. And some fell on a rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Others' uh, others seed fell among thorns, which grew up, but it was choked out by the plants. It says, still others' seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, He who hear has ears, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, What this parable meant? He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to the others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. Pretty cool that Jesus gets to describe this to you now. The seed is the word of God, and those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Verse 14 says, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. My focus is this, verse 14, talking about a seed that falls among thorns. And what happens is it, says it comes up, and after a while, all those things of the world just grab it, choke it out, and destroy it. And it says, these, these worries and the pleasures and the riches, they don't let it mature When we gain maturity, the things of the world that are so easy to destroy us and bog us down, tear down our faith, they're not going to be strong enough anymore. They're not going to be tough enough to pull us down, but we're going to stand strong. We're not going to fail so much. We're going to use the Holy Spirit as this guide. Man, it's going to tell us what's right and what's wrong, and it's not going to be so confusing anymore. It's going to make sense. It's not going to be, man so hard on top of all this the spiritual maturity that we've been focusing on in this next year as well we're going to be talking about every form of maturity we're going to talk about the fact that you know with that there's mental and there's physical maturity there's social maturity That goes with it. And you be thinking, well, why are we going to talk about all that? But the reality is, is that each part of our life needs to accept maturity. You can't just grow one without growing another. It's not going to work. You'll turn out to be a freak. One part will grow, one part won't, and you'll look pretty jacked up. Everything needs to grow and mature together, and that's our focus. Is for a complete and holistic maturity to well up inside of us as we move forward in God. What it means is that when focusing on all these things, mental, physical, social, all these different things, we're not going to let something stupid stand in the way of what God has for our lives. Because the reality is, is as we, we, we mature spiritually, God's going to put insane stuff in your life. But if we don't follow that with also being socially mature or you know, physically mature in what we know and all these different things, something as stupid as not being socially mature and knowing man, how to be... Applicable and how to be, you know, amicable could destroy what God's calling is for you. Something that simple and stupid. So, we're going to do a complete, holistic maturity idea in this next year, growing completely together. But how? How? Right? Is it starting to sound better? Is maturity starting to sound more exciting? Because it really is. How, though? How can we actually get to this maturity if this is what we want? Man, what are the steps, though? Because it sounds good, but how's it going to happen? And there's two things. There's two things that we're going to focus on that are going to gain us real maturity. Go ahead and write them down if you have a piece of paper, whatever you want to do. The first is hard. It's really hard. That's not what it is, hard. But it's difficult. And it's probably not what you guys are thinking. It's probably not what you guys are hoping, I'm going to tell you. Probably not what you guys were scrambling for when I start telling you about maturity. But the first thing that's going to bring maturity is adversity. Adversity. That's hard times. Those are struggles. And those are times when everything falls apart when nothing seems to be on your side, when no one seems to be helping you out, when you seem utterly alone and no one's there to have your back, and when everyone turns away from you when no one's there to help, when it seems like everything should just end because it would be easier. Adversity. In prayer two weeks ago, I was praying about this, about this next year, about, man, what maturity met and how it's going to happen. And God gave me this picture. He showed me a picture of Job. And if you guys know the story of Job, I mean, this man went through hell on earth. But he had such a steadfast, real, and mature relationship with God by the end of it. And God said, that's how maturity comes. It's through hard times where you still hold on to me and say, I'm not going to let go because I know that you're real. It's going to be difficult there's this awesome verse. Man, James. Go ahead and flip there. James 1. Who wrote James? Anybody? Come on, say it. James. What's special about James? It's Jesus' half brother. Jesus Christ's half brother. Really, really awesome book. My favorite in the New Testament. It's called the, it's called the uh, Proverbs of the New Testament because it's so, man, direct. But in James 1, 2 through 4, it says this Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Man. He says, Man, count it as joy when everything falls apart. Praise God when nothing seems to be going right, when everything hurts. Praise God because he said that that's going to develop perseverance. And when you develop perseverance, you'll become mature. And what did we just learn earlier? When we become mature, we will bring joy to God's heart. You're going to develop maturity through adversity, it's going to be hard. Second, along with adversity, we're going to develop it through application. Adversity and application. What does this mean? It means that we will never, ever, and correct me if we do not, talk about something in 2009 without talking about what the application of it is. We will not ever discuss something or go over something without also going over what does that actually mean in our own lives. God talk has been happening for centuries. God talk has been happening forever, but God action is what really makes a difference. Man, people have been talking about it forever. Your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, a lot of them probably knew all about you know Jesus Christ, and they probably talked about it, probably went to church, and they heard about it. But man, God talk without God acts, that's useless. We're going to talk about application. We will walk out every single step that goes along with what we're talking about. We're not just going to let it hang and say, oh, well, you know what, I think you'll get it. No, you won't. No, you won't, because you want humans, we're lazy. We'll just let it go in one ear and go out the other. But what's the application, man? How is that going to actually apply? We're going to walk out every single part of what it does. It says in the Bible that we're supposed to work out our faith, work out our faith, with fear and trembling. Man, working hard to understand what it means. And what this looks like is even this. um, One part of this application is that in this next year, we're changing our format of steadfast. And we're going to do what we call message months and move months. See, move got to carry over. I told you it wasn't going to get left behind from last year. Move is still here. It's an integral part of our ministry. But move months is where we focus on the application. And what it means is we might spend a month talking about something. Say we talk about finances, about sex. We talk about Jesus Christ. We talk about anything. For the next month, we're going to talk about what does that actually look like then. And we're going to do that through small groups. We're going to do that through not a big meeting in which someone preaches, but we're going to do that through time spent together in smaller groups, literally saying, what is this going to look like in your life? It's cool that we talked about finances, but then what are you going to actually do to follow that up? It's cool that we talked about sex, but are you actually doing something about it? Are you actually living a pure life? Are you really following up everything we talk about with action? It's going to be insane. It's going to be amazing. Are you starting to get a little bit of excitement for 2009? Are you starting to get just a little bit? Just a little bit? Because I am out about 2009. Man, there is, ah oh, man, are you excited? Are you excited to see something crazy change? Because here's the deal, okay? I was just thinking about tonight. This isn't about, you know, a Thursday night meeting steadfast. What this is is, this is us. Us. You know, it's not about me preaching something about you being in the audience. I'm one of you. We're together in this. What it is is it's saying, are, are you excited enough that you're actually taking this on yourself? Because in all reality, if you're not excited enough to take it on yourself, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'll be completely honest with you. In 2009, we're going to see people leave. I know it for a fact. I can feel it in my heart without a doubt. In 2009, people who don't put this on their heart are going to walk out those doors and not come back. And I'm not going to feel bad about that. Because we only get so many opportunities in life, okay? We only get so many opportunities to grasp a hold of what God is trying to tell us. And this year he's saying it is time to mature. And you can either grab a hold of it and say, man, I am, I am on this, God, and I want to mature and I want to develop who I am with you. Or you cannot take it upon your heart and you'll fall by the wayside. You won't grow closer to God, but you'll grow colder and you'll probably walk out those doors and not come back. I understand that this year. But I understand that's what it has to be. That's what it has to be. With maturity will come purity. Will come purity. The group doesn't need to be a hundred people of so-so Christians. I'd be fine with ten who are actually on fire here. Who are actually willing to come and say, I long to be mature with God, man, and to really see people changed. To really see people changed. It's about you saying, am I willing to mature, and taking it on your own heart. If we really start focusing on maturity, and if each and every one of us grab it as our own goal, as our own goal in our own heart, I promise you, I promise you that the gates of hell will be shaken. The gates of hell will be shaken in your own life and in the surrounding lives around you. That the struggles in your own life are are going to start to subside, like I said. That the things that have plagued you are going to disappear, and the people around you through your maturity are going to be blessed. That if we really focus on maturity, lives are going to be changed. That if we really focus on maturity, people might walk out, but a lot more are going to walk in, in this next year. Are you willing to take it upon your heart? Are you willing to get excited? We're not called to be an army of children, but we're called to be an army of warriors. There's a spot where they talk about the mighty men, David. David was a great, a great commander. And it talks about these men that come from this tribe, and you can find it. I didn't have time to look it up. It doesn't matter. But it talks about these men that came. And it said that they were so skilled that the most skilled was equal to 10,000 men. And the least was equal to a thousand. What it means is that that man was so mature in his battle worthiness that if you had to do like good old schoolyard pick, you'd pick him over a thousand men because of who he was. That's who God's called us to be this year, man. To become mature, to become real warriors for who he is. I don't know about you guys, but I mean seriously. Even tonight, um, just in worship, man, I just felt like, like God was saying, is this it? Is this it? I mean, where's our passion? Where's our passion? I mean, Jesus Christ talked about one time, he said, you know, that a man was, a man was forgiven for a debt of like, say, $10. And then another was forgiven of a debt of 1000 and he says, which man loved the man more? And he says, well, I guess the thousand. Maybe I'm just a worse sinner than all of you. Maybe you guys have it all figured out, but, but when I come in a time to worship, my heart breaks. When I come to a time of giving God worth, I can hardly stand. Because I realize, man, how sick of a sinner I was and how I was destined for hell, and I didn't deserve to get out of it. I didn't deserve to get out of it but God somehow paid for me because he loved me enough. Man, I can't come up with enough words to say. My body can't contain what I wish I could give to him in worship. If we're not willing to get passionate, if we're not willing to get serious, if we're not willing to get mature, like I said, time to walk out the doors. Time to walk out the doors. But to finish is this, That's because of God's promise. All of this maturity and all of this focus is not without a reason. All of it is not without a reason. I wholeheartedly believe that God is saying something is coming. Something is on the horizon. Something big is going to happen. And that's why I need you mature. That's why I need you ready that God's not just doing this for fun and not even just to bring joy to his heart, but God's saying that something's getting ready to happen and I need you guys mature. I need you to understand it. I need you to get it because something is coming. Are you ready to be mature? Are you ready to focus on it and put it in your heart? I just want to take Got two minutes, three minutes. Okay? And let's be mature. Okay? No music. No special lighting. No closing your eyes. No lifting your hands. No nothing. And please do not, do not BS with me because it's not worth it. It is not worth it. But if you really say tonight, man, I understand and I have to push for maturity. I have to push for maturity. I understand it's on my heart. If that really isn't, man, like I said, man, don't be with me. If it's not, just stay in your seat. Man, don't move because all you're going to do is just make fun of God and make fun of me and make fun of yourself. But if it really is, I want you guys to stand up here and come up front. Just stand up and come up front. And I don't feel bad. If anyone's not getting up, I totally don't feel bad. It's okay. Stay there, like I said. I'm not even going to look. And we're going to pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for tonight. And I thank you, God, that, Lord, you trust us enough to give us breath. God, I pray to you for maturity. God, we understand this next year, Lord, is a focus on you that, man, we have to strive for this. You have something big on the horizon. You have something ready for us, Lord God, but you need us to get ready. And it's not about, like I said, it's not about a service, and I know you understand that, but make our hearts understand that. That's about us individually saying, I am ready to mature that I want to come close to you and I want to bring joy to your heart, God. Lord, break our hearts. Break our hearts, God, so that we can't turn away. Lord, make our convictions rock solid. And Lord, lock the door behind us so that we cannot get out. Lord, we just We focus on you and we wait to see what amazing things you have, Lord God, that I don't believe that you ever say something without a promise. So if you say something is coming, Lord, we know that it is. And Lord, we're going to get ready. Lord, help us. Help us, God. Help us. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, go ahead and go back to your seats. This year is about maturity. And are you excited about 2009 yet? <laughs> I am amped about 2009. Actually, you know what? I want our worship team to come back up. Let's, let's sing one more worship song to Jesus Christ. Because I think that he's done awesome things here tonight. I know that he's done stuff in my heart tonight. Let's go ahead and let's worship Jesus Christ one more time, and then we'll go where we can spend some time in temptation teams. But I just want to, man, give God honor. And man, let me tell you guys, just like I was saying, man, give God honor. Does he not deserve it? Does he not deserve it? And thank you guys for tonight.